Gators Breakdown. Because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Joining me tonight for... We're going we're to try and fit it all in. There is a lot to get into right here on this episode of Gators Breakdown. Will Miles joins me tonight, and we'll get into Billy Napier talking after the first scrimmage. We'll share a little bit of practice note or the scrimmage notes from Gaines Vegas on the Gator Collective message board. I won't share them all. There's a benefit there, but also to kind of you know push you along there. To If you want some insider practice notes, he does a great job there. So we'll get into that. So what Billy Napier had to say, some insider notes, and then we'll get into all the quarterback talk from this past weekend as we got to hear from all three quarterbacks speaking to the media for the first time. So we'll, we'll, we'll try and fit it all in. We'll, we may have to go a little fast-paced this episode, fast-break offense right here. Well, that's good because we know it's all lies anyway during spring camp. <laughs> so everybody can get excited. We should get excited. Football's back. Um, just don't trust too much of it because you never know whether it's because the offense is good, the defense is bad, or vice versa. And even if you did know that, it'd still be a bunch of lies. So uh, <laughs> you know, this is it's a great time of year because hope springs eternal, right? When the spring comes around, and uh, it's it's a good time to get an idea of of where some of these guys are. I think you can learn a lot about the depth chart, but uh, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into you know one throw, one play, something like that. Absolutely. One play. Hey, we'll share one play. Gators football Twitter account shared one. Uh, so uh, we'll share that one play uh, there in just a second. But everybody hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, bringing you a whole lot of uh, spring football coverage right here on Gators Breakdown, especially this episode. So before we move forward, like this video, subscribe if you haven't done so yet, and also support us at Gators Breakdown Plus. Link is in the description. A lot of talk going on there right now uh, about the uh, about the scrimmage. Uh, some notes shared in there, too. I'm not sure. Where, uh, I asked the person where they got them from, so I wanted to make sure before I shared them I didn't get them from another site or something, Will. So I'll keep those in there for now, but uh, we'll, we'll see what comes about that. And uh, uh, join that Discord conversation on Gators Breakdown Plus. Once again, link is in the description. So, all right, Will, let's get to it. Napier says on this first scrimmage that he likes the physicality and the toughness. Uh, and in the scrimmage setting, he wants the fundamentals uh, to really show out along with the communication. Uh, further along with the execution, he says, that this time around, much different place than a year ago. Uh, there's familiarity now with both staff and players, and there are a lot of combinations. And that's something, as you said, we'll kind of go into one of your points here. You don't know what to take away. There's a lot of combinations out there, a lot of freshmen getting time, a lot of walk-ons getting time. Uh, you're just kind of going through the motions a bit, you know, in a different type of setting uh, here with, with, with the scrimmage. So, uh, Will, one big takeaway, and we'll get into it because that hasn't all been perfect for the Gators so far, but no major injuries, Billy Napier says, coming out of this scrimmage. So, good news there. We'll get into a couple of injuries that have happened so far already in spring practice. But let's hear from Billy Napier. He just spoke to the media within the you know last hour or so. So, I was scrambling to get all this stuff ready for you guys. Let's hear from Billy Napier and his thoughts on the first scrimmage. I think that overall for me, it's good because I thought it was, wasn't was one-sided. Um, there was momentum, a little bit good on bad on both sides. I thought uh, some, of, some of our units responded. Um, we saw some of the young talent be a factor. Um, we saw veterans play well. The most important thing for me is that we get the situation to work. I mean, that's really all I care about. I don't care if the offense or defense wins. I mean, we got – 
great football and tape that we can teach from. We got situational football, down and distance, field zone, clock, um, and we got an opportunity to work hard on the fundamentals and the communication. So a lot of good out there today, uh, but also not quite game ready. Quarterbacks do today just operating the offense, especially the guys that got to run with the starters. Yeah, no, I thought, I thought we really uh, did a lot of good things. You know, I think the big thing is there's some situational football that we can learn from. Um, and we turned the ball over a handful of times that I think we can clean up. Um, but overall, just situational football, uh, game management, understanding, being on the same page with the play caller, understanding where you're at, D&D field zone, what's the thought process, all things that you would hope come from a scrimmage. So, and Offensive line, obviously a lot of new pieces there. Just how you feel like they gelled today and, and what you saw from them? That's probably the hardest thing to assess walking off the field when you're calling it, you know, so be much easier if I was standing out there behind it. But, you know, I would say that that group is making progress. We've got some newcomers uh, that we've been impressed with that are showing improvement. And we've got some young players that we think are capable of helping us. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that group is uh, come along well. And I think the competition between the offensive line, defensive line, the edge players is uh, really good right now. We've got good players up front on the other side, and I think that's creating a really healthy practice environment. What's his opportunity for Christian? This with Mike out and now him filling in at left guard. Yeah, no, there's several players in there that are getting an opportunity to work. Um, you know, obviously, Richie's played some ball here. Slaughter's played ball here. Nijay Harris, uh, Christian. Um, you know, Rod Kearney's been playing a little bit of center in there. So we've got a that's a position where we've got confidence. And, you know, Cam Waits is injured. Jalen Farmer's injured. Um, you know, we've, we've got a ton of confidence in the center guard group right now. Similarly, how have you felt about a guy like Arliss Boardingham, who probably has a pretty big opportunity to step up here as well? Yeah, the tight end group in particular today, I thought, caught the ball well, ran after the catch well. Uh, we'll see where we're at uh, in the blocking game and the run game. But for the most part, Artis made some plays today, and, you know, Hayden Hansen made some plays. Tony Livingston made some plays. Um, you know, there was a lot of positive out there from the tight end group. All right, there we go, Will, and a lot to, to get into. Napier went into some detail there about what's been going on in that first scrimmage, and, you know, we'll get into a, a little bit of detail uh, like I said, from the Gator Collector message board there uh, on some details. But to go in straight into uh, what, what Napier had to say there. So, of course, you're not going to go heavy, heavy <laughs> detail here uh, in, in this scrimmage. And I thought, I, the offensive line part uh, I thought was pretty interesting there. Of course, how Florida is going to replace Micah Mazuka. Of course, we'll get into the, to Napier and, and his thoughts on that situation from last week as well. But I mean, well, I put it out there too in an episode this week. You know, Florida's got some options there. They got a Jake Slaughter they can put in there. Richard Leonard, who played a lot last year, seems like he's going to uh, get some get some time there. But also interesting, Napier points out, hey, true freshman, 
Najee Harris, he's going to get some time in there. And, you know, one of the highlights that we'll show from the, the Gators Twitter account, you'll see him on the offensive line there. And then that Roger Kearney's getting some time at center, not, not necessarily too surprising with, you know, his recruiting profile and offense he played in uh, in high school. He's going to play guard. He's going to play interior of the offensive line. Uh, nice to know that he could be a depth piece here uh, as far as the center goes. Uh, and, you know, Slaughter's name I've heard there too behind Kingsley. Uh, so you're just like, what spring is for, what a scrimmage is for, is going out there and showing some different combinations. And, of course, with the big news of Micah Mazuka, there, there is some shuffling with this, with this offensive line right now. Yeah, I mean, so I think there's a few things there. As Napier clearly talked about, being ahead of where they are last year, which is good news, right? I mean, obviously, um, the Utah game coming right out of the shoot, but then we saw the team take a step back against Kentucky, and we saw the inconsistency. So just consistency across the board. I think it's probably the goal. And so if you're looking at where they were last year versus where they are this year, and he's saying they're ahead, and he even spoke to the – you didn't show it there, but he even spoke to the coaching staff being ahead of where they were last year. Mm-hmm. But they're not scrambling to like fill out their, their recruiting board while they're also trying to go through spring practice and all the different things that you have to do as, as a staff. Things have sort of settled down, calmed down a little bit. Um, but when it comes to the offensive line, I mean, look, last year I think coming out of fall camp, Napier said he was comfortable with eight or nine guys on the offensive line. I'm assuming he wants to get back to that place where he's comfortable with eight or nine guys. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to have nine guys who are SEC starting quality, but you got to prepare somebody to be a backup at, at each of those different positions, right? So if Slaughter's going to have to fill in at guard, well, then you're going to have to have somebody to back up Egelkin there at center. And so if, if that's Rod Kearney, then hey, great. And, and I think that's one of the big things, especially for the freshmen, is those guys don't maybe don't have to be ready to be SEC starters day one when they come in, but they're going to have to be able to be quality SEC linemen maybe three, four, five games in because you never know what's going to happen on the injury front. And so you know, there's a lot of turnover there. There are a lot of open spots. There's a lot of competition. And I think that, that sort of also then – um, brings on the idea that you'd have multiple guys at multiple positions because you got to see where they fit in, where they slide in. Can a guy slide from guard to center? Or is he going to struggle? You know, are you going to get snaps 14, 14 feet over the quarterback's head if you put somebody <laughs> who's played guard his entire career at center? You see that all the time in college football where a center goes down and all of a sudden just the center quarterback exchange becomes an issue. So there's a lot to work on there, a lot to see. And I think especially in spring practice when you've got a couple of injuries at, at different positions, it's a good time to throw people into the deep end of the pool and see what they can handle and see, um, you know, have they been studying their playbook when they've had an opportunity or are they behind? And, and are you going to be able to trust somebody to be ready at center, even if they've never played there before and they've been sort of preparing for guard? So I'm sure he's doing a lot of that stuff. But again, I, I think it comes back to, you know, that in an SEC season, you're going to need seven, eight, nine offensive linemen. You better be preparing for that. And so in many ways, Mazuka is the guy who's got a lot of experience, and so an injury that sort of knocks him out, and obviously there's there's other stuff going on there too, but but an injury that, that keeps him from practicing might actually be a blessing in disguise from, from the perspective of you're going to get younger guys in there getting reps, and then when fall camp comes, hopefully everybody's back to full strength, and you're able to establish who your five starters are, and then maybe your three or four backups. All right, we'll get into Billy Napier's thoughts on Micah Mazuka and that the kind of short-lived saga <laughs> last Thursday evening of putting – putting out there that he's going to transfer and then that uh, all of a sudden uh, tweet being taken down overnight. And then we'll also get into uh, the injury at the tight end position with Keon Zipper. Billy Napier just mentioned uh, what the tight ends did there. We'll share some notes uh, as well from that position. But here's Napier on Micah Mazuka. A tough dynamic, right? You know, I think um, a lot going on there behind the scenes, right? Micah, 
Mike was injured. Um, you know, we ended up doing an MRI. He has a, you know, it's a injury, prior injury that was kind of uncovered, right? Something that's happened in the past for him. So, you know, I think nowadays with these players and, the, you know, there's a ton of expectations put on them. Um, you know, injuries are a challenge, right? And certainly puts you in a bad place. And, you know, Mike is a guy who is uh, late in his, in his career, certainly had big ambitions here. So this is going to set him back a little bit, right? He had surgery just a few days ago. Um, and he will be in return to play protocol. We're hopeful to get him back in training camp. Uh, we're hoping to get him back in training camp, confirming the injury there with Mike and Mazuka. And look, that played into maybe in the heat of the moment uh, situation until the injury plays a part into that moment where uh, Mazuka um, goes on social media and – you know, Billy Napier did go on to say, "Hey, 15 years ago, we would we've not we would not have heard about this. You know, he would not have went on social media and and put out there that he was going to transfer. All everything if happens the same way, we just never would have heard of it. Never would have been put out there. It would have been resolved behind closed doors. And Michael Mazuka is there in the fall and and recovering from an injury, and we don't even know anything happened. So that's the latest there, confirming the injury to Mazuka is going to miss some time. We heard uh, about the players who can fill in there uh, with the uh, offensive." of uh, guard position. So confirming that, but also Willie did confirm further on uh, for the tight end position that Keon Zipper did suffer a knee injury, has had surgery already. Quote, Billy Napier says, significant amount of time for him to return to play. Apparent knee injury in the sixth practice. Uh, and Zipper did appear to confirm that long-term injury with a Facebook post that read, quote, 2024 shake back year. So Napier confirming uh, the surgery and the injury there for Keon Zipper. Uh, Jonathan Odom already out, Will, with, with, at tight ends as well with an injury. So this is the second year in a row in spring practice where this position's been hit with some injuries. Hey, look, and thankfully, you heard Billy Napier mention and been asked about Arliss Boardingham. He was a player that I kind of pointed to in our spring preview. Uh, this was hearing good things about before his injury last year and coming into spring practice this year as a player to watch. And he's lived up to it each and every practice pretty much. And also Gaines Vegas on the Gator Collective message board did share from tonight's scrimmage. Arliss Boardingham caught several passes. He turned a couple up and gained a lot of extra yards. So some yak from the tight end position. Well, we saw it from the big play from Keon Zipper versus Tennessee last year. Didn't get a whole lot of yak at this position, but won't get it from him this year. Hey, with the injuries, Jonathan Odom still, you know, hope he's back in the, in the fall. We saw what he could do late last year, pair him with somebody like Arliss Boardingham. It is good to hear that a name that we kind of pegged coming into spring practice is continuing to show up. And again, most recently at the scrimmage where Arliss Boardingham's production at tight end. Yeah, I mean, look, it's awesome because they need Arliss Boardingham to step up. I think, you know, <laughs> you look at you got Dante Zanders at the senior position. You got Zipper and Odom. Zipper, a senior, Odom, a junior. And then it's all freshman, a redshirt freshman, right? It's all it's Arliss Boardingham, Hayden Hansen, uh, Tony Livingston, and then uh, Savigny, who's a who's a defensive line transition over to tight end. Xanders was a great story last year, but really didn't really didn't have a huge impact on the field. Like you mentioned, Odom sort of towards the end of the year. Boardingham, I think, you know, we heard a lot about him last year and then had an upper body injury and just never really made an impact last year. But I think I think the staff is pretty comfortable with what he's shown um, over the last couple of years. But the bigger thing I think at tight end really is that if you look at Billy Napier, he's run the ball 58, 59% of the time everywhere he's been. 
and the 12 personnel having the two tight ends with the one running back um, in many ways, that is a running formation. And then you need guys who can go out and catch a pass and win a one-on-one battle. Um, you know, the difference between like an elite offense like Florida's in 2020 or like Georgia's last year is having a guy like Kyle Pitts or a guy like uh, a guy like like Brock Bowers there who can really beat one on one coverage. But if you just got a guy who can sort of settle and get a first down, that's probably enough in this sort of offense, especially with Graham Mertz. The question to me is going to be, can these guys block? Right? Can they be extension of the offensive line, help the running game? And that, I think, is where Dante Zanders may not necessarily have 25 catches this year, but if he can be a solid, solid blocker there at tight end, then I think it gives you an opportunity for Boardingham to sort of maybe be the one-on-one battle winner um, like you see in a lot of these offenses that run 12 personnel. I, look, I, I think Napier's going to be forced in many respects to run 11 where he's got three wide receivers and one tight end and a running back just because of the personnel limitations mm-hmm. that he's got. But if you're going to have two tight ends out there, I actually think you need to zero in on the blocking more than you need to zero in on the pass catching from these guys. If if you, we end up with two tight ends with like nine catches, that doesn't mean it's been an unsuccessful season for the tight ends. I think you then need to look at how many times did Trevor Etienne or Montreal Johnson have a big run sprung when you had the tight end coming across the formation, pulling across the formation. And if if the answer is six or seven times where they got big explosive plays because the tight end did his job in the running game, then essentially you've gotten the same kind of productivity you would have gotten out of a guy who was excellent through the air. Yeah, I think ideally now Odom comes back healthy and you find the combo of Odom and Boardingham on the field together uh, at some points and, you know, with the two tight end sets. So maybe that comes there uh, down the road. So, all right, let's keep getting into it. I'll share a little more. I won't, like I said, I won't share them all. Benefit of Gator Collective members, but, you know, kind of a tease there where uh, you can get some more insight or practice notes. But it was Jack Miller. No surprise, most experienced quarterback right now. We're about halfway through spring practice. It was him leading the first group uh, in the in, in the first scrimmage right now. He had a touchdown pass, Khalil Jackson. Uh, Graham Mertz also had a touchdown pass. Uh, and then we'll go ahead, Will, and, and show it. Of course, courtesy of uh, Gators football Twitter accounts, that is Max Brown finding Aiden Mizell, the true freshman, down the field. Uh, of course, you know, Anthony Richardson right there on the sideline, seeing a guy he was in the huddle with last year as a true freshman, Max Brown, finding the true freshman. So sophomore, true freshman, Max Brown down there to uh, Aiden Mazel. Big, big catch there. You know, against a walk on DB, you know, but this is uh, what scrimmage is. You know, you take, uh, take what you can from it. Uh, Ricky Pearsall was not much of a contributor day, of course. Does it really need to be? Florida knows what they have in him. Get some young guys reps at the wide receiver position. Caleb Douglas, pretty much the main receiver there. Uh, running backs had some big runs. Uh, I won't uh, go too much detail there. You can catch them there. Uh, defensive side of the ball, Caleb Bakes, uh, a name that keeps popping up in Gaines Vegas reports, had a showing today uh, in the first scrimmage as well. Manny Nunnery's a, a, a long summary uh, about him on the insider report, I think you want to uh, go take a look at that. But I was really showing off some athleticism uh, so far. And Kamari Wilson, three pass breakups in the scrimmage. And Jakeem Jackson playing a lot of corner in the first scrimmage as well. Look, Florida knows what they have in Jason Marshall at corner. If you can use this scrimmage to find out the young players that you have, a Jakeem Jackson at the cornerback spot, hey, you let him go out there and improve himself. So, Will, sounds like you know some young receivers getting some work some young quarterbacks getting some work. That's what these spring practices and scrimmage are for. 
Absolutely. Well, especially since they're moving Jadon Hill into star. Yeah. Since you're moving him into star, since you've got a couple of young guys at safety and Miguel Mitchell and Kamari Wilson, well, you know, now you're going to have to have some battles on the outside opposite of Jason Marshall. And Jakeem Jackson's a guy, really, really high profile uh, corner. Nick Knudsen went to one of his high school games and sent me video. And I went, wow, like that guy's, that guy really is under, he popped off the film. And I think that's maybe the story, and I'm really interested to see once we get to the spring game who pops on the defensive side of the ball because I'm not sure anybody really popped on the defensive side of the ball last year. Maybe Shamar James a couple of times, but for the most part, the defense was sort of eh. Like there was never anybody that went, that guy has the potential to be a star. And, you know, Jakeem Jackson showed that in high school. We'll see what he can do. Same thing with Jason Marshall showed that in high school. We'll see whether he can convert that. I think moving Jaden Hill to the inside is probably going to utilize some of his strengths and maybe, maybe mitigate some of his deficiencies. And so, um, you know, and, and then it's great to hear that Banks is starting to show out there on the defensive line. You know, the only time I can I can remember a defensive line, an interior defensive lineman getting any pressure last year is on the interception against LSU that got called back because of the the targeting call on, or not the targeting, the roughing the passer call on Javon Dexter. Other than that, I don't remember anybody up the middle getting significant pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, South so Carolina they, game maybe a couple eh, of times here or there, but yeah. eh, maybe a little bit. But yeah. I mean, again, not not appreciable, right? And just having a guy there who can collapse the pocket and help out the cornerbacks, right? Mm -hmm. These are going to be young guys. They're going to make mistakes from time to time. But I think the big thing is, is I mean, we saw we, we saw what uh, Rashad Torrance and Trey Dean and those guys did at the NFL Combine. They just really didn't have recovery speed. Um, you know, you didn't have anybody out there running a 4-4. And maybe Florida doesn't have anybody running a 4-4, but I guarantee you after seeing Jakeem Jackson on tape, that guy is uh, – He's faster than some of the guys we've had back there over the course of the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm excited to see what happens. And certainly, um, you know, given the struggles that the defense had last year, I would expect these young guys to get a lot of run. I would expect them to get a lot of opportunities. And whether you are a freshman or a redshirt freshman, you're going to get a lot of reps because there aren't a whole lot of juniors and seniors on the roster, to be honest with you. And so it's going to be a youth movement regardless. It's just a question of is it going to be a true freshman youth movement or you know a, a freshman and sophomore youth movement is sort of <laughs> the experienced guys are the sophomores who are trying to hold on to their jobs <laughs> for the <laughs> freshmen. So. Yep. That is what that yeah. safety position is. It is uh, experience with true sophomores. So, uh, hey. After what we saw the last couple of years there, maybe that's just what they need right there. Uh, youth movement on the back end. Guys who played last year uh, and taking that experience as true freshmen and, and, and putting it together in their second year. Well, let's show it one more time. Uh, we'll get into it a bit because we're, we're about to talk quarterbacks. But, you know, there is the highlight there. One more time. Max Brown hitting Aiden Mizell down the right sideline there. And like as I said, on that offensive line, you can peek out. Hey, there's Najee Harris there at guard, uh, the, you know, Toward the end of that, you know, springing for a double team there uh, in the middle. But like I said, Anthony Richardson right there on the sideline there too. But there's old Najee Harris, you know, get the double team. But yeah, I mean, good to see you know downfield passing, uh, of course, uh, from from the true freshman or the, the true sophomore Max Brown finding the true freshman. Hey, look, Aiden Mizell, that's what he was recruited for, uh, and the type of receiver that we expect him to be is you put him on the outside. He is a burner. We'll hear about that later on as the quarterbacks talk about the guys around him. But in the first scrimmage, I mean, hey, look, it wasn't even an hour after the scrimmage or, or whenever Billy Napier talked to the media. Florida's putting out this highlight right here, Will. Uh, only one we got so far, but uh, putting it out there on social media for all of us. 
fans to see, overanalyze, and get crazy about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, anybody who read my article last week about Max Brown knows what I think about him. So, and we'll get it, into that more. As I said, we'll hear from him as well. So, <laughs> so it's good to see him excel. I think uh, you know the downfield shots are really the place where I. Th- I think you look at this year's team and say, I don't know that they're going to be as good as last year's team. The explosives that Richardson was able to generate through the air, though inconsistent, were plentiful, right? Florida was really high up there in terms of explosive plays. What they were not good at was red zone. And so, you know, mm-hmm. part of that is, and it's two years in a row now that Florida struggled in the red zone when they've actually had pretty good offenses on a per yard basis. And you wouldn't think that that would be the case with a team that runs the ball. And so the question I have this year is Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne are going to be the focal point of the offense. But the whole point of trying to have a running game is to get that safety to come up. And when the safety comes up, you get one-on-one matchups on the outside. And whichever quarterback can hit those matchups the best is probably the one who's going to get the most run as as the starter because – you know, it's nice when you hit the third down conversion on third and four and you make the right read and all that sort of stuff. But the way you score points is you hit the 70-yard bomb down the sideline when your running backs have gotten the safety to creep up and all of a sudden you've got a one-on-one matchup on the outside. And look, there weren't a whole lot of quarterbacks better at doing that last year than Anthony Richardson, at least every other game. So, so And so, you know, I, I think that's that's the thing I take out of that one play is that you've got a guy who's at least shown that once he can hit it, now the question is how consistently can he hit it? Mm-hmm. And, you know, was he one of 10 in the scrimmage or was he seven <laughs> of 10 in the scrimmage is, is the question we'll have to answer by the end. But I, I like the idea that they've got guys practicing that because that to me is how you're going to convert the running game into points. It's not necessarily that ETN's going to take it 80 yards to the house all the time. It's that he's going to compromise and tilt the defense to come up to try to stop him. And when that happens, you have to have a quarterback who can take advantage of it on the backside. Absolutely. So there we go. First scrimmage notes. Hearing from Billy Napier after that first scrimmage as well. Worked hard to get that in, in, all that stuff in there in time. So Hey, there we go. We we scheduled this episode and Florida pushed back the presser a little bit. Uh, they pushed it back from six thirty to seven. I was like, oh, come on, come on. But uh, got it all, got it all, got it all ready to go. So plenty, plenty to quarterback quarterback talk to, to get into. We'll hear from all three quarterbacks: Graham Mertz, Jack Miller, and Max Brown. But before we do, hey, coming up this coming up Monday, April third. If you're in the Clay County, Duval County, St. Johns County, Baker County, Bradford County, all that. Just this Northeast Florida region. Join the Clay County Gator Club with Billy Napier. They invite you this coming Monday, April 3rd, 6 to 8 p.m. at the Thrasher Horn Center in Orange Park. Tickets for only 20 bucks. There'll be some merch. There'll be raffles. I'll be there. Come say hello. Link is in the description to join us at the Clay County Gator Club with Coach Billy Napier. Should be a fun night there uh, next Monday. So, well, interesting dynamic as we get here into the quarterbacks. And so far, kind of combining what we've been hearing throughout spring practice so far. And like, look, last week on Gators Breakdown, JV on Tunes, uh, you know, told us he sees it as Graham Mertz and Max Brown uh, battle so far. And then Gaines Vegas on the, on the Gator Collective message boards, you know, he's been able to view a lot of the practices so far. He has access there, and he thinks it's more of a Jack Miller, Graham Mertz battle so far. So interesting dynamic there, of course, is uh, beauties in the eye of the beholder, I guess, when when it comes to the quarterback position right now in the University of Florida. The one constant there being Graham Mertz in, in both uh, scenarios there from Tombs and, and, and Gaines Vegas from the Getter Collective Board. So uh, 
that's how we'll start this, but we'll get the thoughts of Graham Merch first. You know, he's kind of been the headliner so far coming in as a transfer from Wisconsin. And he, he mentions the, the direction of the program under Billy Napier. It was a big selling point, Will, for why he chose Florida. Quote, I came down here. And I mean, you fall in love with the weather. You fall in love with the people. Great coaches, great teammates. I love the direction that Coach Napier is taking this. And it's a program. It's set up. That is a pro program. You can, he says, you know, you can take program and you can capitalize the pro part of it. That's how he runs it here. So really just from the start, I fell in love with this and I knew this is the place I wanted to be. So the place he wants to be, transferring from Wisconsin, and let's hear from Graham Mertz on the fresh start, getting caught up because he was behind as a transfer and how he fits into this new scheme. For sure. I mean, I started a lot of games. I think it was like 30, 32, 34 games at Wisconsin. Um, love that place. Love those people. Um, but, I mean, I was at the point in my career where, I, I yeah, I, I needed a fresh start, and, and I was excited for it. So it's it's really refreshing to get down here and get going. Personally, strength is, is accuracy. That's one thing that I'll hang my hat on. And uh, one thing that you always – when you're out there, that's one thing that you bring with you every day. I, I think going through my position at Wisconsin – um, I mean, I got to, I came in as a young kid and, and matured through that process. And I, I learned a lot of kind of taking what guys did when they came in to, to grow and develop. And I tried to just do all that and kind of match it all together. So for me, it was, I mean, it's simple. This position, you got, you got to know your stuff. And it's, that's half the battle is just knowing it, but the other half is applying it. So, I mean, for me, I wanted to know it through and through uh, and be able to apply it day one of spring. So, and then, yeah, they were, they were long days, but I, I know they'll be worth it. With that in mind, what's your feel on your fit in the offense, and how do you I love it, Coach man. Napier can kind of maximize your game? I love it. It's 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 freed me up to um, to really just make everybody make everybody better, make the team better, um, really spread the field out. I mean, in this offense, he sets it up to where you always have an answer, and that's one thing that as a quarterback, when you know you always have, always have that answer, I mean, that gives you true confidence. Um, but I mean, I've loved. Every day of practice, we're seven in and wish we had another 50. So, <laughs> I mean, I've been through, I've learned a lot. I mean, coming from Wisconsin is Big Ten. I mean, you get, it's, it's kind of a different style, style of play, a little bit more upfront physical, and, and you get a little more mix of pressures and stuff like that. I mean, down here, it's, it's speed, and, um, which is, it's a fun game. But, uh, I mean, you take a lot of stuff, and I can take that stuff I learned from Wisconsin and apply it down here. And obviously, I mean, I've, I've learned so much in the past two months and change. So it's been, uh, it's been great. How well, different is this system compared to what you ran at Wisconsin? And- <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's took one under center snap the other oh. day and uh, it, felt weird then. it felt weird, which was, which was wild. <laughs> and I'm so used to being up there. So it was, uh, it's, it's, it's different, but it's, uh, it's, it's really good. Is it more conducive, you think, to your talents? I think so. I mean, I will say, I will say, I mean, I'll kind of take you through a little story. Like high school, I mean, we were spread out through like 60 times a game. And then I went to, so that was one dress again, went to Wisconsin. It was kind of a little more under center and, and true understanding of, of timing, anticipation, and having that background, which I am forever thankful for because I have that understanding of, all right, this is how this route concept times up. This is how my drop needs to time up. And then coming here, it's, it's, it's more in the gun. Um, but you can translate that time and anticipation. So it's uh, it's been a it's been a wild journey, but I think that it's all necessary for where where we're going to go. 
Uh, we'll, we'll be interested to see how much he can pull from his years at Wisconsin. And look, of course, uh, we've discussed it too, but also great to hear him talk about it, of getting to maybe open it up uh, a bit more here in this offense, spread the ball out a bit more, being in the shotgun instead of under center like he did at Wisconsin, and going back to doing more of what he did in high school where he garnered his high profile uh your high profile as a recruit and you know went on to say you know he just wants to play some just play some good football uh when about you know needing to needing to improve eliminate turnovers uh really just the biggest thing is you know knowing the rules working through them um this offense is so well put together uh and napier always has an answer he, he says he's a freaking technician when it comes to that if his offense always having an answer for what the defense throws at it so quote for us it's just really sticking to the script knowing your rules knowing your checks putting a little more on the checks on our plate, which I love because that's the system I came from having two to three play calls in one. And then you're checking killing. So it's a really good offense. So Graham Mertz, there's his thoughts on how he fits into this new Billy Napier Gator offense. Yeah. You could see that grin on his face when, uh, <laughs> when they asked him about the Wisconsin offense and how, how different it was. And so he realizes, right. He realizes it's different. And I think everybody expects him to be better than he was at Wisconsin. The question is how much better. And, yep. and that is going to be the open question is, is he going to take a Bo Nix leap? Like when Nix went from Auburn to Oregon, is he going to take a Russell Wilson leap? Like when Russell Wilson went from NC state to Wisconsin, or is it going to be sort of a moderate leap where, you know, he kind of replicates what he did at Wisconsin, maybe a little bit more accurate, maybe a few more yards per attempt or a yard or two more per attempt. But, um, you know, that's going to be the question. The question is going to be how quickly is the conversion to the shotgun going back to something that he's more comfortable with really a transformative thing, or is what he's put on tape for the last three years, approximately what we're going to get and what he put on tape for the last three years wasn't terrible, but it was below average. And so the, you know, he's going to have to improve significantly to get to be an average quarterback. Now, if you look at Florida's schedule last year, average quarterback play probably still ends up with them like eight and four because they would have won some of the games that they lost when Richardson didn't play very well. And they would have lost all the games where Richardson played great, where they gave up 45 points anyway. And so, and so I think it's entirely possible to get a quarterback who doesn't play as well as Richardson did last year, but is more consistent along that path. And you end up winning more games because of it. So, you know, look, he's obviously got a lot of experience. He's not going to choke um, or he's not going to be, He's not going to be hesitant to let the ball fly when it's loud in Salt Lake City against Utah. Um, you know, whether or not you trust him specifically, I think is is I, I can understand why people would watch the Wisconsin tape and say, eh, I'm not really all that interested. I can understand why people would watch the Wisconsin tape and go, wow, that offense is awful. Like just put him in a decent system and, and Florida will be okay. And I think in many ways, like like I said earlier, spring is all lies. We will understand way more, I think, about this quarterback position when we see who maybe comes in through the portal. And if it's somebody who's like a high level going to compete for the starting job, then that probably says something about uh, Billy Napier's comfort level with Mertz or lack thereof. And if they bring in somebody who's sort of a solid backup, then I think that also says something about their confidence in Mertz because everybody expects Mertz to have the starting job. Um, you don't bring in a transfer who's got three years of starting experience to not start him. Um, the question that I always have is upside versus versus what are you trying to achieve this year? But again, I think with Napier needing to win games, it makes sense that Mertz would be in there. And and like I said, even even 
average to slightly below average, I still think you may end up going eight and four just because if it's consistent across the way, you don't lose games that you should win because you get a stinker from your quarterback. Like that Kentucky game last year mm. with just average quarterback play, Florida wins that game. The Missouri game with average, they win the game, but with average quarterback play, they win by 20. And, you know, the Tennessee game, the Florida State game, the Georgia game, they lose all those with Anthony Richardson playing well in, in all of them except for the Georgia game. And so, you know, look, I, I think since we're not expecting a national championship this year upcoming, um, you don't need a – I don't want to say you don't, You need more than a game – you don't need more than a game manager. I think you do need more than a game uh-huh. manager, but you need someone who's going to be able to manage the ups and downs. And, and that, I think, is one of the things that we probably should expect from Grand Mertz is that if he's going to be below, slightly below average, he'll be slightly below average in every game, not – you know, way above average and then way below average game after game after game, which is what we got last year. Yeah, how I'll put it, Will, I think you know, the quarterback doesn't need to carry the offense. As you said, I think more than a game manager, but the, the offense doesn't need to be on his shoulders. Now, there will be times when the game is on his shoulders, but I'm saying, you know, game in moments. You know, I don't think the entire season rests on the quarterback position's uh, shoulders with this run game. I mean, if it's there where we think it can be uh, played within the offense, uh, you know, not necessarily game manager type, and as, as I said, but um, there's going to be a lot of that because of the, this Florida run game. But uh, Mertz was going to say this offense has freed me up really to make everybody better, make the team better, really spread the field out. Uh, this Napier sets up this offense where you always have an answer, and that's the one thing as a quarterback – you know that you always have an answer, and it gives you true confidence. And Will does go on to say, uh, playing in the SEC, it's a fun game. Uh, conference prides itself on speed, and he's like, I got some speed on offense. Of course, there's speed on defense, but hopefully, you know, taking all that knowledge uh, from his Wisconsin days, all the playing experience uh, and, and knowledge uh, paired with this, uh, the, the knowledge of the new offense, uh, like he says, apply it down here. Uh, he's learned so much in two months that uh, it's been great, and hopefully he can put it all uh, together. So, of course, there is a competition, a battle going on at the quarterback position, and uh, Mertz on you know having to prove himself in the competition at the quarterback position. It's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. Speaking of proving it. yourself, uh, obviously the competition with Jack, how's mm-hmm. that been this spring and just going against him throughout camp? It's been great. I mean, I wouldn't say um, – People always say competitions are going against people, but I think that we're pushing each other to be better. And that's one thing that I appreciate a ton that um, he's helped me out on just little little playbook things that he kind of took and when he was learning it. So I mean, we're our, our goal is to make this team as good as it can be, and, and we're pushing each other each day to do that. So, I mean, I've loved everything he's done, everything that I mean, we do every day. We, we, we work together every day for hours. So um, it's, 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 we're doing it together and we're doing it for the, this team. So I, I think that people always make these to be against each other, but it's, it's the furthest thing from that. There we go. Not much on Max Brown there, Will, but we'll get into him. Uh, the question was, was specifically asked there uh, about uh, the competition with Jack Miller, but yeah, you, you hope the competition and we'll get Miller's thoughts on that too is, is what pushes. Uh, and there's some to gather there uh, from Miller with him being part of this process last year, going through spring last year, going through all the spring last year, something uh, now that Mertz is doing in the same, uh, in the same vein as Miller did last year as a transfer coming in. Uh, now the whole team had to learn the offense. So Mertz does get the, the benefit of not the rest of the team, not the rest of the offense having to learn the offense at the same time as Jack Miller. At least he's the quarterback that's having to learn it. And everybody else around him knows the offense uh, a, a bit there. But, you know, coming into this first scrimmage, 
uh, that was you know, earlier tonight. It was Miller taking the first team reps, and it's been split all throughout uh, spring practice so far. Uh, but you know, not much to take away. I don't think as far as depth chart goes. We're about halfway through. Will it doesn't? Uh, it's not alarming to me right now. Uh, there's no. I didn't expect Billy Napier to come out and, and name a starter. I think through halfway through spring practice, I expected this to still be a competition, still be a battle. Yeah, well, look, I think Miller last year was clearly behind Richardson in the spring game. I think the Oregon State game is tough to hold against him just because of all the guys who weren't out there when when they played that game. And so what do we really have on him? We've got where he was at the beginning of last year. He was injured, but in all the team meetings and doing all the preparation other than actually getting out on the field – and throwing the ball with his thumb injury. And so he's now got a full season to understand the offense. And Mertz said it. And I think when you go back and look at the film, I was looking at a play yesterday um, or, or two days ago that I'm, I'm going to be writing about for the preseason magazine we're going to put out. But Billy Napier, basically, he ran crossing routes with a guy running a dig behind it, knowing he was going to get zone from, from Tennessee and that it was going to be a mashup zone and that it was essentially going to clear that dig route. And then if they decided to go man-to-man, the crossers were going to be wide open and they were going to pick off their defenders. And so I think in many ways that's what Mertz is talking about when he talks about you always know you have a win mm-hmm. is that particular route combination in that particular setting meant that the quarterback had an easy choice to make regardless of what the defense made or regardless of what choice the defense made and just just identifying zone versus blitz or zone versus man told you what your read was the minute the snap happened. And so it was a really easy throw for Richardson turns into a first down. That sort of stuff is out there. Those are the things that Miller should be able to should be able to execute because it didn't take immense arm strength for Anthony Richardson to make that throw. It just took knowing the offense, having the option, knowing no matter what the defense gave you, if you got time as the quarterback, you were going to have an opportunity to make that throw. The other thing is Miller adds something in the running game, and I don't think that's something that we should overlook. If you look at Mertz, he has had negative rush yardage over his career at Wisconsin. Now, obviously, sacks are are in that rush yardage. but And he took you know, a ton of sacks last year. <laughs> well, he did, but, but one of the reasons I like looking at rushing yardage for quarterbacks is that sacks – are indicative of decision-making and Mm -hmm. getting rid of the ball and making the right decision. So if you've got a guy who runs for three yards per attempt and takes 15 sacks or something over the course of the year, that's actually a guy who's adding a lot in the running game because the average quarterback, I think it's like two yards per rush. And so anything over two, but Mertz is actually negative. Miller, in in his limited time, has been up over, I think, three or four yards per rush, which means he's not this explosive runner like Anthony Richardson. He's not going to break off an 80-yard run like Richardson did again Against, uh, against LSU last year, but I don't think that's what he needs to do. I think he needs to be able to sidestep, move guys in the pocket, and gain four yards when everything breaks down and all of a sudden you're second and six rather than second and 12. And that is something that Miller brings to the table that Mertz does not. And I think that's that, obvi- that honestly could be a separator between the two if they end up very similar places in terms of knowing the offense. I wouldn't say that they have significantly different arm talent when you look at it. Their high school profiles look very similar in terms of overall completion percentage and and yards per attempt. And so the rushing, the running game is something. Mars has definitely got a stronger arm. Uh, yeah, but I mean, again, I, I, I know where you were going with that, but just to clear it's not up. Anthony Richardson strong, right? It's, it is it's not. not <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's you know we're we're talking about we're not talking about a howitzer versus you know. Yeah. Danny Werfel. Look, Danny Werfel, I love the guy, but he did not have a cannon. 
and he turned out to be the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks Florida's ever seen, college football's ever seen. Placement, and it's placement, because, placement. <laughs> well, it, turn, it turns out when you throw it to the guy that the coach has schemed open <laughs> that you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to have a howitzer to get it in there. You just, And in college football especially, that's true. The NFL – you almost Perfect. always have to throw guys open. That's why guys like Werfel and Tebow have struggled when they've gone to the NFL because they have not had the arm talent to be able to throw a guy open, whereas a guy like Peyton Manning was able to do that. Um, and, and so in college, you just need to find the matchup. You need to find the guy who's going to be able to win the one-on-one battle. Sometimes the defense has a complete blown coverage, and you just have to find that too. And so you know whoever can do that the best, but then adding to that, the running the running potential for Miller, I do think actually gives him a leg up, especially with another year in the system. Boy, do I have more on that. I don't I don't I don't want to spoil it for you, Will. There's there is more on that little uh mobility storyline that uh, I think you'll like even more uh coming up later in the episode. So uh uh Mertz, before we do move on to Jack Miller, Mertz went on, as I mentioned, talked about the speed, but Will he, and we've already brought him up, and we got the highlight, he went on to mention Aiden Mizell by name, calling him a burner, uh, but then said later, you know, this is an extremely fast team, both sides of the ball. And then one more, he went in on Austin Barber, says you can just tell Barber loves his job uh, as an offensive lineman. That high-energy approach is very infectious for the team, very infectious for the offense. So, all right, we'll move on to Jack Miller now. Of course, another quarterback in this battle this spring for the Gators. And hey, this injury, him diving into it will a little more probably. I mean, look, we knew it was more serious once. Hey, he'll be back just in a couple of weeks. That was toward the beginning of last season. And then, you know, he's out almost the entire season and finally comes back for the bowl game. Uh, but we do get to hear from Miller on his injury last season, then getting his first start in the bowl game and what he's working on this spring. I mean, it definitely wasn't what I wanted or what I envisioned happening, but I mean, you live and you learn. I mean, I learned a lot during that time about myself and about my work ethic, so it was definitely good for me. What do you specifically learn about yourself when, when you're, I guess, the game's taken away? Yeah, just how much you really want to be out there and how much you shouldn't take it for granted, honestly. Finally got to play in a game and see what it's really like to start in a game, prepare for a game, and, yeah, it's really took a lot from me. kind of fueled my offseason. I figured out what I needed to work on all, all offseason, really, and what I needed to get better at. Like what? Like just preparing mentally, defenses, defensive recognition, Speed of my footwork, just game speed is so much different than practice speed. So, just really getting used to all that stuff. But yeah, it definitely was not the performance that I wanted and or how I envisioned it going at all. But you know, I learned from it a lot, and like I said, it really fueled me this off season. I mean, I've been pissed about it since it happened. So, making sure it won't happen again. I try to be here as long as I can all day, trying to meet with the coaches and really just watch as much film as possible and get this whole offense down. Because I mean. I have a pretty good understanding of the offense now. Now it's about applying it to defenses and knowing what's good versus what defenses and all that type of stuff. It's the timing with all the receivers. I mean, Ricky coming back, that was huge for us. So really get on the same page with him on every single route. And really just a lot of the other guys too, like the freshmen coming in, just I want to be on the same page every single play with all of them. There's Jack Miller. And Will, the severity of that injury, I mean, that there, I, I didn't include all of it uh, there, and you're limited on the time that we're supposed to use for the sound bites here. But the extension of the recovery process, I mean, needed rehab uh, throughout the season um, and in the training room and, you know, having to regain strength uh, in his arm. And he said initially, quote, it was a initially it was a torn UCL. Uh, but there was a fragment of my bone that chipped off with it, so that made it more complicated to connect it all back in surgery. Uh, really, the hardest part was just being able to bend it and all that stuff. It was really 
hard to get back to full capacity strength. So significant injury there for Miller, of course, pretty much missing the whole season until the bowl game. Uh, and at, at times, Will, he couldn't even firmly grip the football. Uh, so once he was out of the cast, he had to use a piece of equipment uh, there and it was also on the sideline with youth footballs because uh, of just the weight of a football. It needed to be a lighter size football. So he's on there uh, throwing on the sideline with, with youth footballs. He says probably four weeks on the sideline during practice was just a youth football. He said it was the hardest thing. He, he took, um, he said, I probably took anywhere from seven to eight weeks to really be able to grip a football how I wanted to. And quote, we're still working and still getting better. So, of course, no surprise to see. With all the players, all the transfers out for the Oregon State Bowl game, Jack Miller, I'm pretty sure after hearing him talk about it, Billy Napier talk about it uh, to a point as well in the last few weeks, that probably nowhere near 100% either uh, in that bowl game because, as you said, they're still working on it uh, and you know, through, through spring practice of him getting uh, his arm strength back. So pretty serious injury there for Jack Miller through through, through last year and as I said, probably shouldn't put a, too much on him in the bowl game anyway, but this kind of just kind of infer, confirms that even further. Yeah, I mean, the thing I've sort of gone back to is if you judge Cal Trask on the 2020 Cotton Bowl, you probably wouldn't have thought he was very good either, right? So if that had been like his first ever start, you'd have been like, oh, what a bum. we got to bring somebody else in. Now, the fact that it comes on at the end of a just uh, transcendent year there at quarterback in, in the COVID year in 2020, we all go, ah, it's because everybody left and he didn't have his wide receivers and all that sort of stuff. But we ought to give Miller the same the same benefit of the doubt, right, when it comes back to, to that. Now, what I will say is that some of the mistakes Mistakes that you saw in the spring game yeah. early, you know, last year showed up in that Oregon State game. That has nothing to do with his arm. That has to do with decision making. That has to do with getting things going at speed. That was the thing that really showed up on tape in the spring game was that he was just a tick slow getting the ball out. His tight ends were getting drilled because he didn't quite get it out on time. You know, he had an opportunity to hit the ball down the sideline, but he was a mm-hmm. little bit slow getting the ball out. And so the safety was able to come over and break it up. Those are the sorts of things that you saw at the beginning of the year that also showed up against Oregon State. So, um, you know, look, I don't think you can completely dismiss what went on in that Oregon State game, but I don't think you want to draw conclusions based on it either. And so, uh, you know, I, again, I think I already mentioned, I think there are opportunities for Miller to win this job based on some of the skills he has that Mertz does not. Um, but obviously, Mertz has the experience advantage. And so we'll see how much Billy Napier weighs that when it comes to making a decision. If they're close, do you go with the guy who's been in the system for two years or do you mm-hmm. go with the guy who's got three years of starting experience at a, at a Power 5 school? It's going to be fascinating to see sort of what happens if this if no clear front runner sort of emerges. All right, and he's in this competition, of course, and here's him on the other quarterbacks. It's been a really good competition. I mean, we both embrace it, and Max as well. We all we all love to compete, so it's been a really really fun spring so far. What have been the message from the coaches as far as the competition? Like, what are they looking for? What do they want in a quarterback? Have they told Just them? consistency, and, I mean, they're, it's an open competition, so whoever does the best, that's who it's going to be. So, What was your reaction when you heard Graham was coming? I mean, I, was, yeah, I, was, I, mean I, I, I embrace competition. Like I said, I love it, and – I mean, it's just going to make all of us better. So there's no, there was really no reaction. Just come back and compete. Did you know him or know of him? Yeah, I knew of him, of course, but I didn't really know him personally. Yes, sir. What are your thoughts on him and just what he brings to the position, his skill set? He's a really good dude. He's, he has a really good arm as well. So it's really cool to see somebody. He has, he has a lot of experience as well at Wisconsin. So it's really cool to really learn from somebody, too, because he knows a lot, too. So. Three dynamics here, Will, for the quarterbacks. You got one, Graham Mertz, the transfer, who's played a lot. And then Jack Miller, the transfer, who hasn't played a whole lot. And then the hand-picked guy, 
Billy Napier's first quarterback recruit there, Max Brown. So interesting dynamic here for the quarterback spot. And you know, I, I guess you know, the, the difference through practice now, um, and Will, you did, you did bring it up, and we brought and we brought it up, and I probably should have brought it up sooner since you did since you did hit on that earlier. Was you know Miller has been the quarterback that I've heard the most about with the mobility and the scramble ability and hitting those passes uh, while moving around uh, at the quarterback spot for the Gators so far this spring. So he does bring that uh, attribute as a difference maker, and he has been doing it so far um, as in that role. I still don't think the the arm talent there compared to Graham Mertz is there, but as you said, Will, maybe the playmaking ability, maybe the, the, the elusiveness uh, there from Miller separates him uh, just a bit in this competition. But um, – I think you know, there is something, some of the things that I mentioned Mertz leaning on Miller because he's been here a year ago, but Miller leaning on Mertz too, just because of all the experience that he brings in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I like that he's saying that the competition's making everybody better. Yeah. But look, I mean, Miller isn't isn't averse to competition. He wouldn't have come to Florida last year knowing it was essentially Anthony Richardson's job to lose, right? And so he's not afraid of that sort of thing. And that's what you want in a quarterback. And and look. The reality is is that you almost always are going to need two quarterbacks to get all the way through a season. Right. We saw it last year. Jalen Kitna came in and was able to do some nice things in that Florida State game to keep Florida alive on a couple of drives when Anthony Richardson went out. Again, that was just a very small injury to, to Richardson. He was able to come back in. But Kitna was necessary in order to keep things moving. And irrespective of who wins the job, these guys are going to have to do that at some point along the year. Somebody's going to get their number called, and we'll see how it goes. It is interesting. You mentioned the three that are there, and the fourth that you didn't is the guy who's coming in in May. So, so there's somebody. They're gonna, I mean, <laughs> you want four guys on the roster anyway. There's going to be a transfer coming in. It's great to talk about these guys. Obviously, these are the guys who are here who are getting the reps. But I think in many ways, that's where we're going to see the rubber meet the road is who who is that person that Napier brings in through the transfer portal? Is it exactly who he, who he wants? You talked about Max Brown being his first recruit, but this is a hand. I mean, you know, Mertz is a hand-picked transfer that they brought in when there might have been other options out there. We'll see. Again, it's sort of the same thing. Well, Miller last year, too. Yeah. Yeah, well, and so, look, I think at the end of the day, they're going to bring in somebody that they think either can compete for the job or someone who's going to be a backup. And so it'll. I think that is going to tell us a lot about how the quarterback battle went when we see who comes in in the, in the fall. All right, and we'll get Miller's thoughts on, hey, the playmakers around him, the pass catchers, wide receiver, and the tight ends. Obviously, Ricky, Khalil Jackson is – has been balling this spring too. Andy Jean, the freshman that just came in, he's the real deal. There's so many. I mean, Ty Ty, there's so many. What makes Caleb Andy, Douglas? What makes Andy Jean the real deal? Because that just seems to be the he's best. a he's a he's a really really hard worker. Like if you you come in here at six o'clock at night after practice, he's still in here catching balls. He's still working out, and he's just dude. He has he just he gets open. <laughs> best I can describe it. I think Arliss is Arliss has a chance to be. A really good, really good football player. I mean, you see it every day in practice. He's one of the most athletic tight ends I've seen. And I've been in college for three years now. He's he's the real deal. And all the other guys, Isaacs and um, Hayden Hansen, he, they're they're all good. So you can't go wrong with them either. I mean, it's crazy. Three of them in the same class too. Hearing the good about Arliss Boardingham again, Will. And I hope that you know I hope that's not one of those spring names, you know, that we we have every year. There's a spring name and it just doesn't translate in the fall. I mean, that was kind of the tight end position from the spring game last year. Uh catching passes, 
a lot of yards after the catch. It didn't translate into the season that way uh, too much from the tight end position. Uh, but also, Jack Miller, like, look, this interview was done on Saturday. He brings up Khalil Jackson on Saturday. And as I mentioned in the scrimmage notes, he threw a touchdown pass uh, to Khalil Jackson today in the scrimmage. So Khalil Jackson's name coming up as well. We mentioned the freshman there uh, at, at the same time. But you know, we're starting to get a consistency there of, of these true freshman wide receivers will really maybe stepping up for this Gator team at the, at the wide receiver position. Yeah, we need it, right? I mean, look, we already went over the tight end position. We're boarding him or someone in that list is going to have to step up, especially if Napier wants to run two tight end sets with any sort of regularity. Now, maybe they make some adjustments and they run some stuff with ETN and Johnson in the backfield at the same time and, and sort of go 21 rather than 12 because they have they feel like they have more depth at the at the running back position than they, than they do at the tight end position. But the reality is, is that they, they want to go two tight ends. We're going to need somebody to step up there. The freshman wide receivers, they're putting a lot on that. Those those three guys, I mean, Eugene Wilson's not in yet, but then you got Andy Jean, you got Aiden Mizell. Um, obviously, we're hearing good things, but like you said, it's sort of the the you never know whether what you're hearing is you hear it all camp long, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, he's got an upper body injury, and you never see him for the entire year. <laughs> and, you know, they, they show up for the bowl game. You just don't know. And I think in many ways, Pearsall is definitively going to be a starter. Xavier Henderson is definitively going to be a starter. There's probably an opportunity for that third position. I actually think Jaquavian Frazier showed some stuff last year before he got injured. He came in, you know, they sort of went with three wide receivers to start the year and didn't really rotate him out very much. And then Frazier's was the next man up when Justin Shorter went down, but then got injured against AM. So I am curious what happens with Frazier's. Is he the third guy in the rotation? And then are the freshmen sort of coming in behind him? Or does one of those freshmen push for that third spot? And are they able to are they able to come in and sort of wrestle away from one of the more experienced guys? Yeah, Frazier's uh, not observed in practice. And I think he had an injury last week, if I'm not mistaken. Somebody saw him on crutches. Uh, outside of the um, – I don't think it's thought to be too serious, but um, I think he was at practice – the previous practice Saturday maybe, uh, but was not at a scrimmage there. So uh, maybe try and clear that one up. But, yeah, a lot of competition there. It would not surprise me in the least to see Mizell and Gene get a lot of receptions uh, as freshmen, uh, more so than freshmen we've seen uh, in recent memory at, at Florida. So – and then, you know, Billy G uh, back as well, and Billy Napier has some – Good things to say about him in the press conference to the uh, you know, first time he's been able to speak about it. So go uh, go listen to the full press conference if you want Napier's thoughts on uh, on Billy Gonzalez coming back and coaching these wide receivers. So all right, one more quarterback to talk about. I think Will's favorite probably uh, to to discuss. Of course, if you haven't read one of Will Will's latest at readingreaction.com, go do so about uh, you know Max Brown and how he fits into this quarterback battle. And hey, look, let's get to hear from him. His sound of, you know, just year one to year two, what he does well and where he can improve. It's a lot different. Like you said, a lot of comfortability uh, getting in and being the second year, second year of uh, being in the, in the program with Napier. I think that's really played a role coming into it, being more comfortable, making plays, being able to play fast, play my game. I think that's really, really the part I've played coming into it. I think that's really been the most important thing. How would you describe your skill set? I know you said playing fast, but what are the strengths that you can bring to the offense? Um, just being able to make all the throws on the field, um, being able to hurt a defense with my legs. I feel like that plays another role coming into it. Um, just being decisive, making plays, being a playmaker. You know, like I said, being able to throw the ball down the field, I think, plays a, another big role. Just to keep showing people that I'm here to compete, man. Uh, that's what I, I love to do. I think 
like I said, playing playing two sports has always been a competitive a competitive mindset of mine. I've always been competitive. I, that's how I've been raised. But I love to compete, no matter what. That's what I so I love to do. No matter what circumstance I'm in, I'm gonna I'm gonna compete. And uh, I think that's what I really want to show. What did you learn last year from a guy going through it for the first time with your starting quarterback and Anthony? Um, really, me just seeing a crazy freak athlete, man. I think that's what you see every day. You're like, oh shoot. I want to go make that play. I want to be able to show them that I can make that play. I think that's where me, me and Anna are, are, have similarities, but we have also have differences. But I think that's what our similarities are too, making big plays, making big plays. I think that's one, one of the things you want to, you want to see and try to imitate. I'm going to go make a, make a big play too. I see him make a big throw or a big run. Okay. I want to show I can do the same thing. I want to show that I can go try to do that. Even if it's, even if it's not in the cars, I mean, you want to try to learn and develop under that under was, a guy like that. Was the start of against Shaq and Graham? Do you think your athleticism, maybe not that they can't do some of those things, but your athleticism kind of sets you apart from them a little bit? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's just part of my game. I think that's a game that you want to be able to use, and I think that's a big tool, especially in the SEC. Being able to run and use your legs, I think that's a plays a big part. And those guys are those guys are athletes too. Right. And I think going and making plays is something you need need in your in your offense. I think that's a, a another asset, another weapon that you could use. But uh, but yeah, I think, I think so. Is that Where hard to show in practice? Because I mean, you guys are not in contact. You don't have to wait. Maybe even until I mean, you're not going to get hit in the, in the <laughs> scrimmages. But um, is it harder to show that athleticism and that playmaking ability when you're not in contact in practice? Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, but if you're if you're a playmaker, you go make play. You're make play, so I, don't, I think that's really what it what it comes down to. Um, no matter if you're not in contact or not, if you're gonna go make a play, scramble, throw, run, extend extend the play, run for a long run, run for a first down, get out of bounds. I think you can show that regardless, non contact or not. So, where do you feel you've improved the most in this past year? Um, really with probably my comfortability in the pocket and uh, understanding and going through progressions, seeing my. Uh, Seeing reads, seeing defenses, uh, seeing fronts. I think that's really been the biggest transition coming into college football is knowing fronts, knowing defenses, but uh, just really getting getting comfortable with the offense and being able to play fast. When you play fast, be able to make plays. So. All right, there we go. Hearing from Max Brown, Will, and probably the biggest takeaway and him making it sound like he's a big play waiting to happen. I mean, I like his confidence. You know, he was uh, really confident there in front of the microphone as well for the first time uh, in front of the media and maybe the most athletic out of the three here. And look, we know, look at Napier's recent history, Levi Lewis, Anthony Richardson, quarterbacks that can also make plays with their legs. And I think Brown may be best in that regard, but you know, does that give him a leg up uh, even more so than Miller uh, in, in this battle? He's known more as a passer, but he mentions a lot of you know how plays need to be made with, with legs at times. So uh, interesting takeaway there about you know to me, kind of the big play waiting to happen and the mobility part of the quarterback position. Yeah, I, I think uh, there are a couple things there. The confidence, not a surprise for somebody who'd go, yeah, I have an open competition for the quarterback position, but I'm going to go play baseball too. Um, take <laughs> some stones to do that, right? I mean, because you 
ostensibly are setting yourself back a little bit. And so you got to have confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to go out there and win the job. Cause I don't imagine that Max Brown came here because he wants to be a coach. I think he came here because he wants to play. And so, you know, if that's the case, then you have put yourself behind the eight ball going to play baseball. So it requires quite a bit of confidence. And then the other thing is, is that, Yes, his legs are a huge bonus in terms of what he can do, but he completed 71% of his balls in high school. Mm -hmm. And so he's not a guy who's just with a noodle arm who's going to throw, you know, who's going to throw wide receiver screens and then run triple option out of the shotgun, you know, (laughs) (laughs) stuff like that. Like he will make plays with his feet when given the opportunity. He has the athletic ability to do that. But he can chuck the ball a little bit. So um, one of the things I think you saw when I when I took a look at the high school tape, you saw sort of, sort of the same type of indecisiveness that you saw from Jack Miller in last year's spring game. And that, I think, is going to be the question is who can overcome that quicker? Um, I, I think there's a lot of benefit to Billy Napier figuring out what he's got in Max Brown this year. Now, maybe you figure that out against McNeese State. You don't figure that out against Utah. But I think there's an opportunity here to figure out what do you have because the reality is even if DJ Lagway comes in and is the immediate starter next year, you still want a guy like Max Brown as his backup, and you need to know what you have at that backup position. I think, you know, Mertz has two years of eligibility. I think Miller has, what, two or three years of eligibility. But, you know, once they, if they've lost the competition and they're a backup, you sort of know the level of, of play you're getting is kind of eh, like, I hope nothing happens to my starter, which is kind of what happened with Richardson last year. If you can gain a little bit more comfort, even if Brown doesn't start this year, um, extensively, but if you get comfort that he can sort of raise the level overall compared to those other two guys, once he gets more experience in the system, then that sort of sets things up for success once Lagway comes in, assuming that Lagway wins the job. And obviously, that's still a big assumption as well, though his profile suggests that he's probably going to get a shot. Yeah, there's some interesting, uh, like you said, that was the first thing I noticed in front of the mic. I was like, man, he doesn't. He doesn't sound nervous. It sounds like he's been in the mic, in front of the mic before. He was uh, very approachable there. So I, I kind of like his demeanor uh, there in front of the in front of the media, in front of the media. But then, of course, you know, mentions learning from Mertz and uh, Miller later on. Uh, those guys have been around a lot of football. How mature they are, how they prepare, and how they lead by being a competitor. And that's what uh, all three of these guys <laughs> need in the next couple of weeks. Didn't expect, uh, you know, a surefire answer of Florida's quarterback competition slash battle, however you want to name it, uh, to be made by the first scrimmage. So, uh, Will, I know many out there like Max Brown. I see it in the comments there. I've seen it on social media. Uh, You've done a great job illustrating, you know, why that's the case. But, uh, you know, it would be be a crazy storyline if game one Utah and you bring Graham Mertz in, you have an incumbent in Jack Miller – and somehow Max Brown is your starting quarterback. Well, I would be very surprised if he's the starting quarterback <laughs> at Salt Lake City. Um, I don't think that fits sort of the profile. And look, I think Billy Napier went from seven and seven to ten and three at Louisiana from first year to second year. And I think a lot of that was tied to just general improvement from year one to year two. Right. And I suspect he's going to rely on a lot of that for this year for Florida as well. Is he looking for a major upgrade at the quarterback position? Look, I mean, I think obviously if Brown comes out and is the clear front runner, he'll play him, 
right? Oh, yeah. But if it's I think close, but if it's close, I think you probably say, look, I'm going to bring in the guys who have the experience to play yeah. that first game in Salt Lake City. And if it's clear that Brown wins the number one spot, well, heck, we'll find out about that probably first week of fall camp or something like that because you'd want to get him as many reps mm-hmm. as you possibly could heading into whatever game you're going to be you're going to be going into. So um, I think there's an opportunity to sort of find that out early if Brown's going to be the starter. The more this battle sort of rages on throughout fall camp, the more it leans towards Mertz just because that opening game, you're going to want the guy with 30 30 games of experience if, in fact, it's close. And so if it's not close, you're going to name that guy early, give him as many reps as you can, and sort of go. So I hope he gets an opportunity. I'm interested to see what he can do. I think he's a high-variance candidate, but at the same time, I think his legs make his floor – much higher than you might think of. Like, I don't think, you know, he could go out and be, you know, QB rating like 110, 120 and still be an effective player because he's able to run around and make plays. Um, That's not the case with Mertz. If Mertz ends up with a QB rating of 120 or 130, we're going to be sitting there going, geez, we're not getting a whole lot lot out of the Graham Mertz experiment. So in many ways, I think just knowing what you have, Mm -hmm. this is, it's interesting. Last year, I think we sort of said, bring in the young guys on defense. They can't possibly be worse. I think we might actually be saying the same thing on the offensive side of the ball at quarterback, not because they're terrible, but because we need to know what we have. Right. And and getting a guy in there and knowing what we have is important in terms of knowing what you're going to build as you bring new guys into this into the system. So I hope Brown gets an opportunity, but uh, I don't suspect it'll be at Salt Lake. I think maybe McNeese State is the first time and then, uh, you know, we'll sort of see see how things go from there. It is an interesting storyline there. Will if it if it is close um, and, and because of that first game being Utah. I mean, if it was your normal cupcake and say it was close, do you go ahead and go with the young guy? Uh, but, you know, there's, I think, two ways to look at it. If it's close, too, do you go with Mertz because of the experience? Or do, if Max Brown is that overall athletic, you know, given Napier's recent quarterbacks, does that does that maybe push him uh, to that? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's all fun to guess uh, right here as we're still months and months away from that opening game versus Utah. And maybe there's a starter name by then anyway, but I mean, it's a, I do find it interesting that maybe um, thinking it through how, how maybe close this can end up being uh, and which way Billy Napier would lean if it is that close. Yeah, man. It's going to be fascinating. It's going to be fascinating. Like I said, there's probably a fourth guy coming in who will make it even more muddy. Um, But I think who that fourth guy is will tell us a lot. And once we get that data point, then we'll be able to say, okay, we either Napier thinks his cornerbacks are terrible and he and even though we've seen all these bombs, we're in trouble on the defensive side of the ball. Or, hey, he's pretty confident with who he's got in here and and they're adding a depth piece, but definitely not a starter. Um, and and so we'll sort of see where that lands. I think, um, you know, it, it's pretty clear to me that when you get three years of of stats and tape, that doesn't normally change. And so Mertz is going to have to really take a step up. That Wisconsin offense was awful, but it's going to have to. It's more than just that, right? He's going to have to improve as well as get into a fresh start someplace else. I think the same thing applies to Miller from the standpoint of he has to improve significantly from what we saw last year in that spring game. And if you've got a guy who's sort of right where those guys are 
as a redshirt freshman, why not put him in, see what you've got? Yeah. And then if you've got a guy like Brown battling with Lagway next year for the starting position, you feel like you feel much more comfortable with where you're at. And even if it ends up meaning that you're redshirt Lagway for a year because you've got Brown in that position and he's got the experience, hey, that's a good problem to have, right? To have those guys battling it out. I think if you've got Lagway battling Mertz next year and Mertz is coming back after sort of a so-so year, eh. Now we're we're having some conversations next year that maybe we're not all that happy about. So um, I want to see what the kid can do. We'll yeah, see. And still something about the the unknown. You know, as you said, Mertz, thirty games. Miller, you know, spring game at Ohio State, spring game at Florida. Not maybe okay. Not too much on the bowl game, but maybe still knowing a bit more of what we have in him and Brown. And Brown's kind of just the. You know, uh, so if if Brown question. If Brown had completed 62% of his balls in, in high school and had been dinking and dunking, I'd be like, no chance. I don't want to push for it at all. Yeah. Completed 71% of his passes, and he averaged on a yards per attempt basis, like 13 or 14 yards per attempt. So he was not dinking. I think it was 13 yards per attempt his junior year and then like 12 his senior year. So somewhere in like the 12 and a half range. That's not dinking and dunking down the field. That's that's. Those are getting pretty close to like Joe Burrow high school numbers. Not quite there, but they're getting pretty close. And I don't think he's going to be Joe Burrow, but I think that profile, it's really hard to complete seven out of 10 passes against air. You just throw a duck every once in a while. You overthrow a guy a little bit. You throw a worm burner that ends up in the ground. Like you have to be really skilled to do that. And one of the things is, is I don't think the completion percentage many times has a lot to do with were you right on target? It's did you find the guy who was wide open and just put it in a general vicinity of him with enough air that he could make an adjustment? And, you know, college football and high school football are similar in that that happens a lot. Like mm-hmm. you think about the Florida game against Tennessee last year, Hendon Hooker didn't have to hit anybody within about 10 yards because Florida's <laughs> defense just sort of let him roam free. Right. And did Hooker have to make a few difficult throws? Sure. But when he had the easy ones, he hit them. And I think one of the things that you saw last year in a few different games is Richardson could make unbelievable throws and then there'd be an easy one and it would just like airmail the guy, you know, on, on a, or just off know, target you, enough to slow the receiver down and defender can make a play. I mean, it's, all that yeah, sort of stuff, yeah. like those little things. Right. And the question becomes, uh, Based on his high school profile, Brown suggests that there's an upside there that isn't there with the other two guys. And the question is, is that real? Because he did play in a relatively low division of of high school football in Oklahoma. Or is it because of what he was doing then? I, I tend to believe that completion percentage transfers or correlates to college because of what I said, that the the defense almost always is in a position where if the offense executes correctly, the offense will win. And so then it's just a matter of did the quarterback select the right guy to throw to? Not necessarily did he hit him right on the hands, right in stride every single time. And uh, I think that's what that suggests. So I think Brown probably ends up in the 64, 65% completion range if they start him next year. Um, whether he can show that in camp enough to be able to yeah. get the start and whether or not Napier's made promises to the guys that he brought in as transfers, I have no idea either. And so th- that dynamic is going to be fascinating as we move through the spring. All right, there we go. Uh, well, yeah, I think you teased it maybe before we came on, but uh, what you got working on at Read Reaction? Yeah, so I've got an article on Zipper's injury. I think, uh, you know, one of the things – it'll be up probably an hour or two after we get done here, but uh, – um, you know, I, I Zipper is not a guy who's had a whole bunch of catches, but 
you know, one of the things I think is really interesting is when you look at Napier's offenses, the best tight ends have only like the tight ends over his five years have averaged 15 catches for 164 yards, his best tight ends. So you think about that 12 personnel and think, oh, he's going to throw to the tight ends a lot. That's not necessarily what he does. Mm -hmm. So I took a look at sort of, you know, zipper specifically the tight end room, Napier's offense, and then college football on the direction of college football because it's moving towards 12 personnel in college yeah. football for a lot of reasons mainly that and that's actually it's interesting for a while the spread option and the spread concepts were going from college to the nfl and now the 12 personnel two tight ends taking <laughs> advantage are coming from the nfl to college kyle shanahan and and that his ilk uh, McVeigh at the Rams yeah. have made that popular in the NFL, and now that's starting to filter down into college. And college football is so cyclical that it is interesting. I think a lot of people last year were questioning Napier and sort of calling it a a old fashioned offense. And you know, is that something that's going to work? It's not old fashioned. This is an offense that Correct. is right with the times in terms of what's going on within football. But you need tight ends to run it, <laughs> and so that's one of the things that I think. Keon Zipper's injury really does point out is that Florida we got to really we got to really take a hard look at the roster and understand where the where the production is going to come from because in order to run that sort of modern offense you need tight ends and look the team that's won the national the last two national championships has pretty much run the same offense they have two really good tight ends or have had two really good tight ends who've been able to create massive mismatches. And one of the one of the movies that I have or one of the clips that I have in the in the article is from the game against LSU where they used personnel groupings to get a, a get a linebacker on a tight end. And it was an easy touchdown. And LSU just didn't have any answers. And if you have the right tight ends and if you have the right tight end package, um, you should be able to isolate the defense, make them wrong, and and put up a lot of points. So that's sort of what the article's about. Um, something I think – well, I think something that is worth bringing up at that position, you brought it up with quarterback. Hey, transfer portal. I mean, Florida, Zipper, Zipperer injured, Odom injured. Hopefully he's back, but an injury history at this position, even including Boardingham last year. Uh, I thought even before the Zipperer injury, there was a possibility to go get one in the transfer portal anyway – given what you just said, given Napier's history with the tight end position, would not surprise me in the least once that May 1st date rolls around, May 1st through May 15th, that Florida is finding themselves a transfer portal tight end as well. Well, this is where staying healthy, I think, is critical because they've got a few scholarships left, and so they have an opportunity to go out in the transfer portal. You know, one of the things that I think has concerned people about the portal, and especially before they sort of relieved the the initial counter um, you know, sort of log jam that, that schools yeah. were having where basically you had to sacrifice a high school kid if you were going to bring in a transfer. They've relieved a lot of that pressure. But one thing that they haven't relieved is the 85 scholarship limit. And so, you know, there there's going to be a merry-go-round with the transfer portal, and the question is going to be where are you going to go? And in some ways, that's actually probably the story of Bazooka is that, you know, you sit there, you tweet out, you're going to the transfer portal, and then you look at it and go, that's probably not a good idea. I'm not going to end up in a better situation than I am right here. Um, and I think there will be some people who do that, but obviously Florida is going to be open for business when it comes to a few positions. Quarterbacks, one of them tight end, probably another. And so they do have the scholarship numbers to be able to bring in a guy or two at that position if they need to. Absolutely. And coming up later on Gators Breakdown this week, uh, we'll go back to um, – 
covering spring practice, all the press conferences and stuff. We'll go to the defensive front. Uh, Sean Spencer, Mike Peterson have been on the mic recently to go along with Princely Eumann Mielin and Chris McClellan. So big defensive front uh, episode coming up later this week on Gators Breakdown. Will, anything else, man? Nah, man. Just appreciate it. It's always fun. It's nice to have real football back. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So for Will Miles, you can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SEC and his site, readandreaction.com. I'm the host of Gators Breakdown, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thank you for joining us on this episode of Gators Breakdown.